into the kingdom of God, and she's come here to share her testimony of what God has done in her life, and just like you guys, she was saved radically, and she has been changed, and she's one of these amazing ladies that has not lived in her testimony so long that she thinks that it's not effective. Some of us have lived in our radical salvations for so long that we forgot that it was powerful. And so we're going to awaken that, and we're going to celebrate what the Lord has done. We're celebrating what the Lord has done in you guys, and we are celebrating what the Lord has done in her, and it's exciting. I want you guys to get super inspired and share with your friends. And um, you guys all know how to give. It's a part of worship. So I, I trust in all of your ability to, to, um, to do that. Kaylani Henry, go come up. This chick, is that not your name? Uh, I remembered it. I remembered her whole name, guys. So, um, yeah, I just want to say, Lord, I just thank you for this voice um, that you are raising up to be a voice in this generation, Lord. I thank you that, that before you set her free into this environment, that you prepared her and that you have given her everything that she needs to step boldly before the throne of grace and shout your story, her, your, your work in her life. So we bless her mightily, pour your spirit out upon her, Lord, and just let her, um, just work through her, God. Just let her be a free and cleared out vessel of your grace. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, amen. <laughs> Right, I gotta forget to use this thing. Hi, everyone. Hi. <laughs> I love Jen so much. <laughs> She's like not one of those normal pastor friends, <laughs> which I'm so thrilled about. <laughs> I grew up around like, nor like, well, not I wouldn't say normal pastors, but like traditional pastors. And when uh, like coming out here and meeting different pastors and things, I'm like, oh wow, it's you know, they're not what I thought you know, they all were, and then I meet Jen, and I'm like, thank God, this is even better. <laughs> it's way better. <laughs> um, yeah, so like she said, my name's Kaylani. Uh, most people cannot really ever pronounce Kaylani, let alone remember Kaylani, so I just tell them, just call me Kay. That's, that's my nickname, that's what my parents, that's what my family grew up calling me, so just call me Kay. Uh, sorry for if I seem shorter or if you can't see me online. I actually have a bat foot, so I try to stay off of it as much as I can. So that's that's part of why I'm sitting. I also do like sitting. <clears throat> um, so I'm I'm going to share with you guys my testimony. Um, my testimony. It's pretty. I'm pretty vulnerable when it comes to my testimony because um, there is not one thing about God that I doubt, and there is not one thing when it comes to God turning things around for good that I won't believe. 
because I've seen what dirt is. I've seen the face of death many times in my life. Um, I've been so disconnected and just so lost. And now that I, I walk in the light, it's like, wow, I have absolutely no reservation with sharing my testimony. And the reason why I love sharing my testimony is because I know what God can do. I, I personally know what he can do, what he's capable of. And I don't even know the whole of what he can do and what he's capable of. I just know that he can do it. Uh, before I get started, I don't even know how long should, should I go for. Uh, is there, huh, when I'm done? Okay, well, all right then. <laughs> uh, Lord, we just thank you so much that you, you call us to be lights and that you, you turn everything around for good. And you don't do it just to get praise. You don't do it for yourself. You do it because you love us. You do it because you're after us and you're after our hearts and you're after who we are because you created us to be in communion and connection with you. So, Papa, thank you for returning and restoring and rebuilding. I just pray that the words that come out of my mouth today help someone and bring light and bring the knowledge that you are good. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Father. We thank you so much. I am very honored and very thankful that I get to do this. I love sharing my testimony. I'm all giddy about it. I'm like, what should I talk about? I know, I'll share my testimony. Uh, this also this tea. I don't know whose idea this was. This lemon loaf tea. So good, squirrel. But that was so good. That's so good. Um, I'm. I want to start with a verse. I'm not texting. I promise. Um, it is Second Chronicles sixteen and nine. It says, "For the eyes of the Lord." Search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. We just stop right there and just rest on that because that, that verse means so, so much to me. More than I am going to be capable of conveying this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, ever, since I was, ever since I was a little girl, I mean, as far back as I can remember, I had always been convicted, and I, I didn't know it, but I always had a conviction that God was real, that everything that I learned in church on Sundays and that my parents were telling me, I'd, I'd always had this, this depth in me that he was real, and I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was, and I didn't even know how to ask questions. I just, thinking back on it, I'd always had this depth in me that knew that God was real. Um... I say that, but um, let's backtrack. I'm the youngest of six kids. Um, I'm originally from the Everglades of South Florida. If, if you know where that is or ever heard of it, um, just think alligators and swamps, mosquitoes the size of your hand, you know, heat that makes you question, am I really on my way to hell right now? Because this is really hot. You know, that's, you know, that's the environment that I'm from. Um, I also grew up in a very strict house, like pretty, pretty strict, uh, very straightforward. Um, my parents, they didn't play no games when it came to church or the Lord. 
you know, there's no questions about it. If it's Sunday, you know what you're doing. If it's Wednesday night, you know what you're doing. If it's a revival going on at church all week, you know what you're doing. So there's no question about it. Our lives were centered and focused around church. Um, and, but even though I grew up in a very uh, Christ-like home, I also grew up in a, a pretty dysfunctional home and a pretty disconnected home. It was, you know, it was not the easiest growing up in my house with all the the, the pressure and the the rules um, that put a lot of performance on me, a, per, a performance mindset on me. And then on top of that, I was bullied when I was in school. All throughout my childhood, I was bullied. Um, I was the laughing stock that, of the, my class, always. So I went to, I think, by the time I reached fifth grade, I went to probably five or six different schools. But we never left uh, the town that we lived in. It was all in the same town. I just went to that many different schools because, you know, everywhere I went, I was bullied. Um, so um, because of that, that, put, that also put this, this longing in me to be accepted and to be to need to be seen, to need to be heard. And so as a kid, if you're not really getting that at home, and if you're not getting that from your peers at school, if you're not getting that, you will develop this depth in you that needs to be fed. So you will turn to any and everything. I'm gonna get real vulnerable and real. Is that okay with you guys? I, like I, we're all adults in here, thank God. So I, like I won't spare, I won't really spare any details. Um, so because I was not really getting fed, really you know, being pursued as a child who was going through so much, um, I started turning to things on the internet that was not cool. I started, um, I started indulging into pornography and I don't even know how I even got introduced to it, it just happened as a kid. And that was something that fed the longing in me. But it was, of course, it was only temporary. It was only a temporary uh, film. And then if you're not getting the real thing, you start craving it more and more and more. It's, it's like healthy eating. When you're eating right, you feel good, you feel fed, but when you're not eating the right stuff, it only lasts for a minute and then you're hungry again. Or the, the nutritional value that you're not feeding, that starts to speak louder and louder, so you start feeding it with other things and other things and you're not really feeding it, you know? So that's what it was like for me growing up. And to top it off, I also became very suicidal um, I say to top it off like that was a great thing, but you know, to put the cherry on top. I was very suicidal for more than half of my life before I came to know God. Um, and I didn't, I never really knew how to open up and talk about it because for one, I was in a strict home and I was also raised in a place where we didn't ask questions. We just, we don't question God, we just let God do God. That's what it was like. And so, Growing up and all of that, my voice was being uh, just swallowed up. It was, it was growing weaker and weaker, and I didn't, have, I didn't know that I had a voice. Um, and so all of this was just piling on and piling on and piling on until, you know, something began to pop. So fast forward a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, that's the environment that I grew up in. I'm, I'm just trying to paint a picture for you guys. 
So if you just follow me. Um, when I was about maybe 13 years old, um, I went to the doctor because uh, I was having, I, I always had chronic migraines. Turns out, I just low iron in my blood, that's all it is. But I would always have these really bad migraines. And so my mom, she was like, okay, it's time to really go to the doctor because this has been going on for a few years. Go to the doctor, get checked out. She's giving me a physical, the doctor, and turns out, you know, there was something else going on with me that was totally not even noticed, like not even picked up on. And she's filling my stomach and she's like, that's weird. Hey mom, would you mind stepping out of the room for a sec so I could talk to your daughter? And my mom's like, uh, no, not, not doing that. I'm not leaving my 13 year old daughter in here by herself. You know, you're gonna ask her questions that she doesn't know about. And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't want my mom to leave. And so the doctor looks at me and she goes, are you pregnant? And I said, what's that? You know, that's, that's basically how I, how I saw it. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not pregnant at all. And so she said, well, if you're not pregnant, then there's, there's something else going on. So she, her, her and her husband have a practice and her husband comes in and he gives me a physical and he's like, yeah, there's something in there that's not supposed to be. Turns out I had a tumor growing in my stomach that was, you know, basically growing at the speed of light. And, um, some, some time goes on and they send me to this specialist, they send me to that spe specialist, but in between each visit, the tumor is growing bigger and bigger. So they finally concluded, okay, we're gonna have to do surgery to get this out because it's, it's growing. We don't know if this is benign or maligma, that one. Um, they, don't, they don't know if it was cancerous or not. And so they go in, you know, it's, the, the surgery day, by this, I, this was like late um, 1990, I don't know, it was just late year, um, and late in the year, and the following year I, I was turning 14. And by the time I, it was uh, the day of the surgery, the surgeon leaves me on the hospital table, open up, and he comes out and he talks to my parents and he says, you know, it's a little worse than we thought. Uh, she doesn't just have one tumor, she has two tumors, and they are completely taking over her stomach. And either we take these tumors out and her ovaries, or we just take out the tumors, and there's a 50-50 shot that she could live. And so my parents, they didn't know what to do because this came out of nowhere. This is just like blindsided to them. And they said, well, you have to do whatever you have to do so that our daughter could live. So they did what they did, and here I am. Uh, I'm gonna be 32 on Sunday, and not today, next Sunday. And um, that was the hardest thing that I had to walk through as a 14-year-old girl. I didn't understand it at the time, I just knew that, well, at least I won't have any more periods, cramps or bloating, that's great. But as time went on, I began to understand that I can't have children. I can't. I won't live a normal life like most people, like most girls my age. And so take that with everything else that I was already going through, and that sent me spiraling into depression and suicidal thoughts. And ever since then, ever since I was maybe 14 or 15, there was not a day that passed that I didn't think about killing myself. There wasn't a day that passed that I did not want whatever hell that I was in to end. 
But that doesn't mean that everything else stopped. I was still under a lot of pressure. Um, I was still being bullied. I was, the, all the chaos that was happening was still there. It, it was only growing. It was only getting deeper because I wasn't being healed. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to open up and talk about it. I remember um, maybe it was a few months or a year after um, I had surgery. My, we were, my family and I were leaving a Wednesday night service, as we always did. And I just remember asking my mom, like, Ma, what happened? Like, why, why me? Why did this happen to me? And my mom at the time, I knew that she, I know she meant well. And my parents are so in love with God, and they are so all about God things. But growing up, there was never really a connection, and there was never really that nurturing that we needed as kids. And my mom's answer was, honey, you never question God. Just let God do what God does. I remember her saying that. And from then on, that's when I really took on myself, I can never ask God a question. I can never ask him why. I can only just let him be this, what I saw, a tyrant who was really ready to sit on the edge of his throne. And the minute, this is how I lived my life in so much fear that if I did anything wrong, that he would strike me down. But the thing about that is, I did a lot of stuff wrong. He never really struck me down. <laughs> like, when you look back over and think about it, like, I was so afraid of God. He was going to strike me down anytime I did something wrong. So I just walked as holy as I could. No, I didn't. I was not walking holy. I was not at all. It, it was a mess. And I didn't understand that until later on in my years. Later on in my years. I'm not that old. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, so my mom decided homeschooling us was the best thing, right? So. Well, not homeschooling us. She homeschooled the younger three kids um, for my sake so that I wouldn't be homeschooled by myself. So my mom wanted to pull me out of school because she got tired of all the crap that I was going through in school, but she also pulled out my, other, my older three siblings too. So I was homeschooled for seven years. Pauls, let's, let me just let you know that whatever stereotypes you think homeschool kids are, they are all not. I am not a bookworm, I am not a nerd, I am, not a, I am none of those things. I'm not that bright, let me just tell you right now, I'm not one of those kids. We were, I'm from the hood, you know, so we were not like those bookworm type kids, really smart, who can just look at an equation and just, you know, give you the Albert Einstein version. No, 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 that's not me. I'm like, where's the two plus two one? That's the one that I need. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just being honest. <clears throat> anyway, so I was homeschooled. Somehow I made it through by the grace of God. <laughs> I made it, y'all. <laughs> so I was homeschooled, but a part of homeschooling, um, you either have to get like a teacher to, um, to value your work, say like, like okay, they are doing what is required to go into the next grade, or you can just take the GED. I took the GED test. So I was going to night school, took the GED, uh, to study for the GED, GED test. Why, can I talk? I was going to night school to study for the GED test. There you go, I made it. See, I told you, all homeschool kids, not the same. <laughs> 
Um, while in homeschool, or not homeschool, at night school, I met a boy. Ooh, y'all, this word gets juicy. What you're thinking? That's right. Um, met this knucklehead guy and got into a lot of trouble. Long story short, I was being the idiot moron, ditzy, whatever you want to call it. I was just being plain stupid. Knowing who my parents are, I was sneaking him in our house at night and we were in my room cuddling. I know, it was very stupid. My, my, my parents, they crossed the Dead Sea with Moses. That's how biblical my parents are. They are so biblical and so just, you know, righteous. But for some reason, I thought that I could get away with sneaking a boy at, right across the hall from my parents' room. I just, I just really pray that whatever kid I do decide to have, they don't turn out like me. Because I, like I said, I was not that bright. Um, we get caught. I'm like, but mom, we never did anything. I don't care. So it was like this, this big explosion at the time I thought was punishment. But when I look back over it, this is the Lord's goodness. Here's why I say that. I had um, these godparents. Um, and they were like they were more than just like godparents, they were like family to me. Like if anything were to happen to my parents, I know that these are the people that my parents would entrust to take care of me. So to give my parents space for me, because I, at this point I'm like, I just brought on Armageddon in the house. I, I think I just need to give them some space for me. So I go to stay at my god's parents' house. Um, and this is where things become, start to come to light with who they were. While my godmother was at work, um, my godfather at the time, he started to get fresh with me. Now, he was not just you know any ordinary guy. This was a bishop in the church. This was a guy who wore the cloth, who spoke every Sunday, who brought down the, you know, the presence of God and spoke the good news, but behind closed doors. Apparently, he was having affair after affair on his wife, and he even paid for one of his mistresses to have an abortion, but we didn't know that. <clears throat> Pardon. And so at the time, um, we, uh, we didn't know that. I just knew that I needed to get away to give my parents some space for me. And then that's when things start to happen, where this man who I thought was so holy, so righteous, he begins to make approaches to me. And I'm only, I think, like 18 or 19 at the time. But I was, I was also so very sheltered. Um, I, like... I didn't go out a whole lot as a kid. I didn't have a whole lot of friends. Uh, my family and I, we didn't, do a, we didn't do much. It was mostly like we stayed home or we stayed surrounded by the church because we didn't want to live an ungodly lifestyle. So we didn't really do a whole lot of things going out. And if there were, uh, if we were to go out and do anything, it was always, a everything had to be detailed when we're going, uh, you know, where we're going because that's just the life that I was very sheltered. And so in the time, at the time when this is happening to me at, um, I'll just call them the Rivers. Well, I don't know, is anybody in here named River? I don't wanna use that name. <laughs> and then everybody else would be like, what? Oh my God, <laughs> it was you. <laughs> um, I don't know, we'll call them light bulb. I was at the light bulb house <laughs> and um, I was just so lost and confused. Sorry, Jen, I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, I was so lost and confused 
this man is, you know, he's being very perverted with me. He's trying to take my clothes off and, you know, being frisky with me. And I, like, I'm just lost because if it was anybody else, I, I probably would have been prepared, you know. I, you know, throw some blows, you know, learn from my brother. But this was a man that I saw as my dad. And so I was so lost at this. And I was like, if this, that, this is when I realized that I didn't want anything to do with God. Because if this man is a bishop in a church and he speaks every Sunday and he has the face of holiness, but behind closed doors, he's not being who he said he is. He's not being who God says, he, says you're supposed to be. Why would I want a relationship with a God like that who lets this stuff go on? So I walked away from God. I still went to church on Sundays and Wednesday nights because living in my parents' house, it doesn't matter if you want God in your heart or not. You're going to have him inside your, in the building, so you're going to go to church. So I still went to church and everything, but I just did not want anything to do with God. Like, I just, I hated God. Mostly because I was hurt because of everything that I'd gone through, and I was lost, and I didn't have any answers to my questions. But I just didn't understand how this guy says he's a bishop, but this happens. How my parents love God, and we live in a Christian household, but there's no love and no connection. And every day there's someone yelling, someone arguing. Like, how, how is this world? It's, it's the same old question that everyone who's gone through hurt has. How is it that we live in a world that is full of so much turmoil and chaos and brokenness and pain, but you say this God is good, <coughs> but he sends you to hell if you do something wrong? Like, how is that possible? Um, sorry. So I, I walked away from God, but it wasn't very long because there is still something inside of me that was hungry so hungry. Now, mind you, even still, I was still de dealing with pornography. I was still dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts and being empty. All of this just grew and grew and grew over years to the point where I was numb and so disconnected from reality, from my life, from my heart, from anything. Like, I didn't understand what emotions were. I was literally the epitome of going through the motions, feeling emotions but not knowing what they are having thoughts but not knowing how to control them, being so out of control and out of tune with myself that anything went. And I didn't know how to live responsibly or live a good life. And everything that I did was fear-based. Can you imagine living a life that is so consumed with fear that you are afraid to leave your home, that you're afraid to go out and laugh because you think you're gonna go to hell. That you're afraid to just go out to a restaurant with your friends because you're gonna be surrounded by evil and something bad's gonna, that's, that's who I was. Terrified and mortified of God because I didn't understand what love was. That's why. So um, some time passes and I start getting this, um, this inkling. I started listening to this urge in my heart <clears throat> And I'm like, there's, I know that there's got to be more. I know I said all these things, but there's got to be more. So I go to, there's a church down the street from where, the house that I grew up in. Um, it's called Glades Covenant Community Church. And I go there, and my life has just radically changed. I mean, I meet the pastors, and 
Um, they are people that are so in love with God and so humble. I just begin to just collapse every time I go there. Not physically, but just my spirit. Something would break more and more and more in my spirit until I finally decided I have been judging God like people judge other people. I've been saying, I don't want this God if this is what people look like. But then when I paid attention to it, that's how we judge each other. That's how women are often judged. That's how men are often judged, or kids. We say, oh, all men are the same. All women are the same. All kids are the same. All this people are the same or that people. And I realized this is exactly how I was judging God. And I began to pray and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't, I didn't mean that. I'm hurt. But I want to know who you are. Those were dangerous words. <laughs> because I began to see who he was. So I met this woman. Um, this is where, for me, it, it starts to escalate a little more. And I will get into why I read that verse in a second. Um, I meet this woman, her name's Rita, and she is someone who walks just holy. Like, I don't even know why she has feet, she just needs to glide, the lady is just holy. And I go over to her house, um, to her apartment, home place where she dwells, and we go for a walk. So um, where she lives is like in this uh, condominium complex pla uh, place, and so it's, um, kind of like Safeway and then the neighborhood behind it. So let's just, just say we're in the neighborhood behind Safeway in Fortuna. And so we go for a walk to Safeway, right? It's about that distance. At the time, that was our power walk. Looking back on it now, I, like I'm a health fitness enthusiast. That was not very, that wasn't a power walk. We just went for a stroll. But we were, you know, we were on a power walk and we were getting it in, we were getting our steps. We we're like, you are gonna be healthy today. Come on, Kaylani. Yeah, Rita, we're doing it. This wasn't much, but we went for a walk, and so um, we come up to the plaza. Um, you guys ever heard of Publix? They was like, okay, great. So it's a it's a, a pretty long plaza, and you know there's it's a public plaza. So next to uh, Publix, a few doors down, there's a CVS. So we're walking up the, the strip of the plaza and we see this old guy coming towards us and we're just talking about the love of God and you know how good life is and blah 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 and so this old guy approaches us so so old that I'm like it should be illegal for him to be out here by himself like he was just really old <laughs> I mean i not knocking it I love I love elderly people but he, he was anyway um he approaches us and he he has on you know a, a dad baseball cap has on this you know the old thick sneakers with the tube socks halfway up his legs he has the shorts that are halfway cut to his knee because they're so jacked up around his belly with a belt on and then he had on a white shirt that said uh, got Jesus you know the slogan got milk question mark he had one of those shirts on and I was like oh my god he's so precious Lord protect him let him make it wherever it is safe where he's going because he ain't got no business out here and so he approaches us and it like we just start a little banter with this elderly guy and uh, Rita goes I love your shirt you know we're Christians too blah 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 and he 
proceeds to tell us a story, and he says, did you know um, that God's first name was Andy? And instantly, my heart goes, oh, Lord, he's one of those. Oh, Lord, the man, he's not there, Jesus. Bring him back. He's gone. I know he's old, but I know he's still got a, he has a few years left. Let him come home safe. So he, we were like, oh, no, sir, we don't believe in that. You know, Jesus' name is I am. That's the only other name that we call him. And so he's like, no, uh, Jesus' name is Andy. And he, like, he insisted that Jesus' name was Andy. And we were like, this is worse than we thought. <laughs> so Rita's like, well, why do you say his name is Andy? I'm like, why are you asking this man that question? Like, let him, just let him be. He says, well, there's this little boy, whom, and he's talking to his dad. And the, the little boy asks his dad the same question. He says, Dad, did you know that, that God's name was Andy? And Dad says, no, son, God's name is God. He says, no, God's name is Andy, because it's, it's in the song. And he says, what song? Well, you know the song. And he walks with me, Andy. When that guy told us that, I was relieved, and I, like, I died. <laughs> I was floored, because I had never heard that in my life. I was ready to call 911 and OPS, Old People Protective Services, because, my God, the man, <laughs> he had us worried. And so we, we surrogate buys, and, like, we were just so lifted. Like, we were on cloud nine. We were laughing. We just... Like, we just felt the joy of the Lord in that moment. But I knew that there was something strange about this guy that I never understood or never met before. And so we're walking and still talking. I turn around, and he has his, he has his little cane, and he's walking still. Well, I don't, I don't even know what you would call it, walking. He was just moving forward. <laughs> I turn around, I look at him, and I'm like, he, there he is. He's just, you know. Still doing whatever he was, he was doing. And then I turn around again and look at him, and he had vanished. And I, when I turn and look, I pause because I felt something breaking me, but I also felt introduced to something I'd never been introduced to. And I said, Rita, where'd he go? He didn't walk into any stores. Like, we, you know, when you, we weren't anywhere near a sliding door where we could hear a door open. We weren't any, anywhere near a place where he could have just gone quickly into the lake. I mean, he couldn't have gone quickly anywhere because he was not fast. <laughs> and so we're like, Rita, where did he go? And she looks at me, and she heard the Lord say that was an angel. And when she said that, I felt a presence of God that I had never felt in my life before. It was more real than the reality that I have now. It was more real than the reality that we're sitting in. And I knew that it was true because I had never wept like that ever in my life. I felt the presence of God really for the first time ever in my life. And I knew that that was an angel. I had been praying and praying, God, I want to know what you're like. And that's when you started to show me. I met an angel for the first time in my life. And I had never been the same since then. And that's when I got introduced to the supernatural power of the mighty living God. And from then on, things didn't just automatically change or get better. But I began to know that 
that depth that I felt as a little girl, that, that conviction that God was real was calling out to me, and I finally began to answer it. <coughs> so, you know, time goes on, and I'm still loving the Lord, but I'm still dealing with all this mess. And I remember one day after, uh, I think it was a Bible study, I go home, and um, I'm just laying on my bed because I'm just feeling so disgusted with myself. I couldn't believe all the mess that I was still dealing with. How am I still dealing with suicidal and pornography as a Christian? How am I still battling all this? Why am I such a mess, God? I really want to live for you. I really, really want to know you, but I don't know how because all this mess is in the way. I just remember laying on my back and just crying and crying and crying. And then all of a sudden, I see these big eyes in the ceiling of my bedroom. And they were just looking at me on my bed. And I thought that I had fallen asleep, but I didn't. I was wide awake. And then I sat up. And the same feeling that I felt when I met, I just called him Andy. When I met Andy, the same feeling that I had was the same feeling that ushered into my room. And I thought he was angry at me while he was looking at me. I thought he was upset with me. But it wasn't until years later I moved out here and I, I go to BSSD and, you know, a lid pops off and I, all the things that I suppressed for so many years that I never talked about started to come up. The thing that happened to me when I was 14, the, the depression, the suicide, all those things that I pushed down began to pop back up. But this time it was like chaos. I couldn't hear myself think. I, I had this, this encounter at um, one of the pastor's house. Um, and I just had this encounter with the Lord. And we went, I call it spirit land. And we, we went to spirit land. And I just began to ask the Lord these questions. And that's when everything started to come undone in me. And I started telling, you know, some weeks later, I'm like, Kim, why is it? that I'm feeling like this. And she said, there was a lid that popped off of you that you kept everything in. And the Lord took that lid off and that's why this is happening. And I'm like, yeah. Kim, I don't wanna hear that right now. Like that is not comforting. That a lid popped off and all this mess is coming up. I know that there's mess, Kim. I know that there's, there's a hell inside of me that has been living and reigning. How do I make it stop? So I remember I was in my apartment one day in Fortuna, and this, this is like, I had never been this low before. I couldn't hear myself think. I didn't know how to control my emotions. I was all over the place, and I couldn't, what broke me the most is that I couldn't feel God's presence the way that I used to. Like, I, I'm someone who would wake up in the morning and just spend hours in worship music and reading the Bible because I just really wanted his presence. But I couldn't feel that anymore, and I didn't know what it was like anymore. It was almost like everything that I had learned or experienced prior to that day had been stripped away. And I was lost, and I was just roaming without any, any goal, any direction. And I didn't even know how to reconnect with the Lord. But I just remember one day, got on my knees in my bedroom, and I said, I can't feel you the way that I used to, and I can't hear you. 
I don't even know if this, any of this is real anymore because this is so different. Like I can't feel anything like how I used to. But what I do know is that I've seen your eyes and I've met an angel. I know that you are real. I might not be able to hear you and I may not be able to feel you, but I know you're real. Is that same conviction that I had as a little girl would not die out of me. And so I began this journey all over again, it felt like. But it wasn't all over again. He was calling out to deep, y'all. It was deep calling out to deep. And it was from glory to glory. And sometimes when you go from glory to glory, it's not going to look polished, smooth, and shine. It's going to feel like hell. But trust that he's taking you from glory to glory, especially if you are after his heart. And so I remember I was um, interning for Kim and Steve, and we were, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Dan McCollum, but he's this really cool guy who sings and writes music and very, very prophetic. And so he was teaching the worship school. Um, he was teaching a class at the worship school, and this is, this is in the pit of me being low. You guys, I mean, the lowest I'd ever been in my life where I didn't know why I was even going to a Christian school because I couldn't fear, feel, or, or hear God. But I remember Dan McCollum, he read that verse. For the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the earth to strengthen those who love him and whose hearts are steadfast for him. And when he read that verse out loud, I remember that time I saw the eyes of the Lord in my bedroom looking at me. I don't know how to describe that or how to convey it, but that was more real than what I see right now looking at you. Can't nobody tell me, oh, you were dreaming, or oh, that was it. You don't just make stuff up like that. You can't just make stuff up like that. And so I think it was either that day or a few days later, I remember I was walking down Fortuna Boulevard passing Safeway on my way, or passing, uh, what's that pizza place? Pizza Hut? Pizza, West Side. And I was going back to the church, and I was still feeling so low and so disgusted. But I remember looking up again, and all of a sudden, I saw those eyes looking at me again. And it wasn't like, oh, the clouds look like eyes. I saw the eyes of my Savior looking at me in the flesh. Heaven met earth in that moment like a sloppy wet kiss. And I saw him again, and instantly I knew what he was doing. He wasn't looking at me telling me, I'm so tired of you dealing with depression. I'm so tired of you dealing with all this mess. He was looking at me saying, I'm looking for you because your heart is set fast after me. I'm looking for you because I know you want me and I want you too. And I began to have these incredible, incredible experiences with the miraculous. I started to see angels and I had never really experienced it on that level before. I was in my, in the same apartment and I was sitting out front on, in the sunroom and I was reading my Bible and then and all of a sudden, I saw this person just walk up to me. It wasn't one of my roommates. It was someone that I had never seen before. They just walked up to me, and they kneeled down next to me. 
and they put their hand on my shoulder, and they didn't say anything, but they were just sitting there. And I said, well, who are you? And then he, this person held out his finger, and tattooed on his finger was Adriel. And I didn't know what that meant, so I picked up Google. <laughs> I was like, well, you ain't saying nothing. You just showed me a word. <laughs> Give me a second. Let me let me Google this real quick. I had never seen that word before in my life. Didn't know what it meant. So I said, "All right, Google, you're a trusty steed. What does this mean?" And so I Googled Adriel, and then when I read it, it said "flock of God," and I put my phone down and I looked up. My entire sunroom was filled with angels. I wish I was making that up, but it was real. It was something that I was living and breathing in. And I was, I was like, why are you after me? Why are you pursuing me when I am so filthy and so messy? It was like David when, you know, he was going through his bipolar stage where he was like, God is good. I'm a wretched sinner, God. That's what it was like because one moment I'm so far after God and I'm singing his praises and I'm interning for a pastor and a worship pastor. But when I go home, I'm just a mess, God. Like I'm filthy and yucky. Like I got to clean myself up first before you can have anything to do with me. And if that were the case, I would never have seen his eyes. If that were the case, I would never have experienced or had an encounter with an angel and let me just say, it was probably the first angel he ever made because that guy was still old when I, <laughs> I'm just, just saying, like, <laughs> I know he's home in glory now because <laughs> if, if that were the case, if I needed to clean myself up before God could ever do anything with me, then what was the point of the cross? What was the point of Jesus coming to earth, leaving, abandoning everything that was perfect to come down to this place where nothing is perfect, where everyone was literally what I felt, a mess. And I began to understand that. And I began to see that he's not showing me really cool things. What he's doing is he's doing exactly what I prayed for. I prayed, God, I want to know who you are for who you are. I want to know what you're like outside of what my parents have taught me, what I grew up believing in the church, what I grew up being taught and fed. That conviction that I had ever since I was a little girl began to become more and more real. It began to be fed and filled. So take this person who was born into chaos and lived a life of chaos in her heart and in her mind. The same person that I was 20 years ago, I don't know who she is anymore. I don't know what it's like to be broken to the point where I can't function anymore. I don't know what it's like to not know God as good. I grew up believing and just being so mortified of God that he's not good, he's, he's angry, he's a tyrant. And all the while, all he'd ever been trying to do is show me I'm not. 
I actually really love you. I actually don't care about the mess that you think you are. Let me show you who you really are. Let me show you what love can do. I'm someone who's come from not having a sound mind, who was terrified of being left alone because I was afraid of where, I was so scared of where my thoughts would go. Like, I, I mean, I was really afraid of where my thoughts would go. I was afraid to be alone because I was afraid I'm gonna start thinking about killing myself again. All these night terrors that I w had as a kid, they're gonna begin to come back to life again. I'm gonna begin to see faces in the wall and, and see these spirits in the corner and fight in my sleep. I, I was terrified of that and now I'm someone, I don't just walk in authority, I walk in the presence. That's what I learned, it's not about getting authority, it's about walking in the presence. When we walk in the presence of God, all of that comes with it. I'm not someone who's like, I'm gonna fight to take back authority. I'm not fighting nothing. I'm gonna walk in the presence of my Father. I'm not afraid of death anymore. I'm not afraid of evil anymore. I'm not afraid of things going bad because I know what God can do. If he can take someone who was so lost and broken and had absolutely no trust, not only restore, but make them a new person. There is nothing that he can't do. There's this book called the Bible. And it's filled with so many amazing stories about what this great being can do. But so many people will read this and think that he's a tyrant. They'll read these stories and think, well, this is, you know, the wrath of God. But even when I read the Old Testament, you know what I read? I read love. Even when I read Noah's, about Noah and the ark, I read about love. Even all the stories, I read about a God who just always wanted what was best for his children. Who wanted what's best for the people he created for us, he created us to be. I'm just going to share one more thing of why I say God is so good. We were all affected by 2020, right? I mean, 2020 was a crazy year. It was chaos from the pandemic to the riots to the lockdowns, everything. It was a crazy year. But prior to 2020 happening, God began to speak to me around like late 2019 and he he just started teaching me what the new year is going to be like. He wasn't telling me anything bad. He said, Kelani, this is going to be the year of the garden. And when he said that, I just felt so romanced. I was like, ooh, the year of the garden. Oh, my God. Oh, my you. That sounds so romantic. Let's go to the garden. And then 2020 happened, and it was a chaotic year. But... This is why I say, this is why I believe God is full of nothing but love. That year with the lockdown was so messy and so chaotic and just hard, but it was also the best thing for me because being on lockdown in my apartment, I had the most incredible encounters with the Lord. It was never about the riots or the pandemic or anything like that. It's amazing how he can take something that's so frustrating to people, but he can still make beauty out of it. He can still make a garden out of it. 
And that's exactly what he did. I grew so much deeper with the Lord being locked away in my apartment. Just me and him. Me just loving being in his presence. Me just turning off the TV. Yeah, I binge watched some shows, but I also, I binged in his presence. I, I did experience a little bit of depression, but I said, no, I'm not going back to that. It's your presence that I'm after. 2020 was the year of the garden for me, and I began to understand what it was really like to walk with the Lord. I mean, I, I, all those things that I talked about you know, prior, I was experiencing in crazy, incredible things with the Lord prior to 2020, but when he said that this is going to be the year of the garden, he showed me what it was like when he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. While Adam was still out living his life and tending to the fields and trying to figure out is it, is it a zebra or a zebra, God was still walking with him at that time. And that's what it was like for me in my apartment in 2020 with the Lord. So I share all of that to share. This is what God is like. He's not evil. He's not angry. He's not sitting on the edge of his chair. What are they going to do now? He's not moved by that. He's not thrown off. He's anchored. He's our anchor. He's someone who can take the night and make it today. And even if it is night, he will show you just how crisp the stars are and how beautiful the moon is. This is a God who made heaven and earth and every other beautiful thing that there is to go along with it, and he loves us. I shared all of those things about angels and his eyes because my, my burning passion is not to hear about these stories, not to hear what happened in the Bible and just say that, oh, those happened long ago. No, they're still happening now. But are we willing to accept it in our life? Are we willing to allow that to come in and disrupt what we thought we knew and live in that reality? I can leave here today and lose, I can lose everything that I own but I can lay my head as a homeless person on the concrete and say, God is good. I can leave here today and never experience anything ever again, but I hold true to God is good because he is. He's not good because of circumstances. He's good because that is his nature. When you come into close contact with love, you will understand it's not about your circumstances. It's not about what happened long ago or what happened to other people. It's about experiencing the heart of the Father. The miraculous, healing, supernatural, all of that is still real. And it still happens. And as long as I have breath in my lungs and strength in my body, they're going to hear about it until the day I die. And I don't ever want to get over what he's done in my life. And I'm never going to get over what he's done in my life. How could you? How can you show up one day and say, oh, this was great, but it happened? Y'all, I've read the Bible time and time and time again. But when I read the Bible, I'm still like, 
man, there were giants that walked this place. Yo, there were angels that were descending to and from heaven. There was just a stairway of heaven here. I want that. I want that back. I want to know what that's like. That, that is God. And that's what we are after as his children, right? That is what we long for. And that is my message to you guys, is that I'm someone who's seen the face of evil, but I walk in the eyes of my God. I really hope that this story blessed you and brought you something, because even though it's my story, when I listen to it, I'm like, oh my God, that is incredible. So, Lord, I just thank you so much. Papa, we just thank you so much for being real and for being exactly who you said you are. For being exactly what you said you are. Maybe there's someone in here or someone online that's just been saying, I want to see you that way. Papa, show up. Show them who you are. Show them who you are. Show them what it's like to walk in your eyes. We just thank you so much that you are, that you are good. And that even though we experience so much goodness in you, you keep getting better and better and better and better. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.